0: Welcome to the Sunny Hill Podcast. This message was recorded at our pool campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. Today we're in a series called Smashing It. And... um... the the, the objective and goal of this series is to try and be as practical as possible to help you in smashing it in 2019. So we're looking at big areas of life. We've looked at marriage. We've looked at relationships. We're going to be looking at work and finance. Uh, But today I'm looking at the area of smashing it in your parenting. Um, But before you check out, because I know some of you, we're all at different stages of life. For some of us, our kids have grown up and they've left home, praise God. For others of us, maybe things didn't work out in our marriage and so we've been left to raise uh, the kids on our own and uh, we we just want to honor you this morning because we know that parenting is hard work and we pray for you regularly in that. We don't judge you in that. We love you in that. Um, For some of you, maybe you've gone through difficulties. Maybe you've lost children. Uh, Maybe they've died or, or maybe for some of you, you don't have kids. You want kids and... Uh, maybe some of you don't want kids at all. Well I'm going to believe by faith today that there's going to be something helpful here for you to take away. Uh, Obviously for me and Louise we're right in the thick of it. We've got three little boys full-on craziness at home Um, and obviously I can't speak into everyone's uh, family situation uh, but I'm hoping that the principles I I preach from I guess some from experience some from the word uh, will be helpful to you in some way that you will be able to apply them into your uh, context. But even if you don't have kids I think there is something to be said for the fact that we're called to be parents in the faith. That because this church is a next generation church, as adults, we should understand our responsibility, our responsibility to model amazing, smashing it faith to the next generation. And so, even if you don't have kids, I believe there's great principles here for you today. But just to get started, I want to take you back to a moment eight years ago, and Louise probably won't be too happy that I share this. But this is how it played out. Uh, we were in the maternity ward at Paul. And we'd never had kids before. Uh, this was our first one. And it was scary and exciting and exhilarating because, you know, in the next 24 hours, you're, you're going to get that little bundle of joy that, you know, everyone tells you about, this heart and affection that you've never had before, this love and this, this desire just to passionately love this being. Like, we're going to experience all that. But in the moment, it was pretty crazy because Louise was doing her thing. She was is contracting the right word. I don't know if that's what I heard. Having contractions, okay. I don't know what contracting is, like get a builder in or something. Um, That would be a fun labor, wouldn't it? But Louise was having contractions and things were getting more intense. The contractions were becoming more frequent. And as a loving husband, I could only do one thing. And um, fortunately, I downloaded House to my iPad. And so I was watching a bit of Hugh Laurie in in house. And annoyingly, every so often, I had to pause it because Louise needed some attention from me. Um, But to be fair to Louise, she didn't really want my attention because I think she saw me as kind of the culprit that got her in that situation. But that's enough said there. But uh, it, it was all crazy. Because, like, it was intense, and Louise was enjoying the gas and air compliments of the NHS, getting high on the NHS, what can I say? And she was going through it hard because she had a lot of pain that she was dealing with. So I don't know what it does, but it kind of takes the edge off the awareness of pain or something like that. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to go for sure. I definitely wanted to go of the gas and air. I mean, like, this is an amazing opportunity to experience because then I can identify with women who have gone through labor. No, I'm joking. I'm joking before I get booed. And, uh, so I, I get this thing and Louise was having a, like a just a, a restful point not oh, restful well, that's a silly thing to say isn't it she was having a quiet point and uh, so I, I, I get it in my mouth and I'm like as I did work too all of a sudden the, the drugs or whatever it is that's in that that heavenly canister just, just came rushing into my brain, into my heart. My heart started beating like this. And all of a sudden, I became aware of everything. Like Quiet noises were now loud in my ears. I was like Spider-Man. I was just like, wow, this is incredible. And I was like, this is crazy. Uh, and, and like, this is cool. But then I started to feel... Like my shirt getting wet, and I was like, oh, I'm sitting under a leaky thing or something. I don't know where I am. I was tripping of all sorts. And I looked up, and there was no water coming from the ceiling. So I was like, What is this? And I could see on my shirt, after having about four or five things, there was loads of water on my shirt. And I was like, What is this? And so I go over to the mirror, and I noticed that half of my face had gone to sleep. I know I responded in some way to the gas and air, and it wasn't a great response. And my face had gone to sleep, and without me knowing, I think I dribbled about two litres of water out of my mouth, and all of a sudden the midwife comes back in, and I'm kind of like, just pretend I'm holding it for Louise, trying to hide my saliva-covered shirt. But it's crazy, because it was fun. Well, it wasn't fun for Louise, it was fun for me, this new baby coming into the world. I remember when they said, you got a son, I was like, his name's Caleb, I was overcome with emotion and tears, excited, visitors coming and going, balloons and cards and presents and clothes, and you know, just incredible, so exciting, I remember ringing Phil on Sunday morning, because Caleb was born on Sunday morning, not realising that he was halfway through preaching at church, I thought Brian was preaching, and, and so I rang him, and he answered the phone, he says, you got some news? And I said, yeah, it's boy, it's Caleb, he's healthy, the mum's well, and he says, that's great, I, well, I'm just in the middle of my preach, he says, and so he gets back to preaching, so I've got it all recorded, all this magical moments. And, but it's crazy because in all the excitement and joy of bringing a baby into the world, after a week or two, the visitors stop coming. After a week or two, not that people become less interested, but it's not as intense. You don't have as much help around the home. So your mom stops, stops washing your laundry and people stop bringing you dinners. I just think that should be a constant agreement in the life of Sunny Hill. Just assume that we're always in constant need of dinners. okay? Um, but the stop and there's this awareness that as people leave me and Louise were left in the time in our two up two down our first little house that we owned and the door shut and now we're like well I guess now we've got to raise this thing I guess and I realized that at that point that like up until this moment no one had ever told us what happens after this point all the lead up to the labor was like prenatal classes which were grim can I say There was three of them, weren't there? I only went to half of one because it was so graphic. I was like, I can't handle this, Louise. I remember the first one. You remember I went lightheaded, didn't I? I To go and stand in the corridor because they were showing how the baby's going to come. I'm like, no thanks. I'll stay up the the head side of the bed, thanks. Uh, But like antenatal classes and sitting with midwives talking about pain relief and coming up with our labor plan and all that sort of stuff and all excitement, prepping the room. But no one ever said... Raising kids is super hard work. Well, I'm sure they had, but I wasn't listening because I wasn't interested at that point. And now all of a sudden, here's this beautiful little bundle of joy that God has gifted to us with a responsibility to raise and parent and bring forth into the world, and we don't know what we're doing. And I think, to be honest, parents in this church probably feel like that. Like, we just have a child and I mean, it's crazy to me. You need a, to pass a theory test, a practical test to get a driving license. I was talking to a young lad who started working at Burger King that had to go through four weeks online of like development to toss burgers. But honestly, and I'm not cussing that, but like intense training just to make sure you toss these burgers perfectly at Burger King. But yet, yeah, I can walk into a hospital having never had a baby in my life and I can take it home with me like at summer camp a couple of years ago I wanted a goldfish for an illustration but the pet shop wouldn't sell me a goldfish because I couldn't prove that the water tank levels and the ph levels were all right because I didn't have a tank I just wanted for a preach preparation I don't really care about animals so it's all good but they would not give me a fish yet I can go into a hospital I've never had a kid and walk out with a baby this is crazy to me and I realized pretty early on that we're gonna have to skill up in this area But I think most people never fully embrace or understand the full responsibility on their shoulders that they just have a go, that they'll just try things and just hope for the best and often by the grace, God's good, so we can live like that to a measure. But actually, I needed to become extremely intentional about my parenting. And so I remember reading two or three books not long after Caleb was born, one that really uh, challenged my thinking and has affected my parenting ever since. And I'll talk about that at the end. but today, my, my hope is to give you, I guess, five tools that, uh, from our experience, have, I guess, helped us understand the responsibility of parenting. And I think they will carry even beyond the fact, even if you're beyond where we are, or you're not where we are yet, uh, because they're also rooted in the word. So the first thing I want to talk about today, smashing it as a parent, is this whole area. We're starting every point in this series with the same point time with Jesus. Time with Jesus is absolutely key. The best thing you can do to become the best mom version of yourself is not read a mom book, right? It's not hang around with good moms. It's not watching One Born Every Minute and all that sort of stuff. The best thing you can do to become the best mom version of yourself is to spend time with Jesus. So often when we get married, something happens where especially when we're Christian, obviously it wouldn't be an issue if you weren't a Christian, where our affections and attentions are challenged because all of a sudden I now have this spouse and sometimes we then put our spouse before Jesus. And and we may think that's appropriate, but the problem is, is if I have a great relationship with Louise, it doesn't ensure I have a great relationship with Jesus. The same happens when we have kids. All of a sudden I've got this new revelation of love in the pit of my stomach for this child that I'm holding, that I know is that we've brought into this world. And, but if I'm not careful, if I see that as my primary object of affection and attention, then it doesn't ensure that I have a great relationship with my wife and it certainly won't ensure that I have a great relationship with Jesus. However, if you prioritize your relationship with Jesus, it affects every relationship this way. It affects the kind of colleague you are, it affects the type of neighbor you are, it affects the type of friend you are, the type of husband or wife you are, the type of child you are, and the type of parent you are. So the first thing is this, if you want to smash it in your parenting in 2019, spend time with Jesus. Now, I want to go beyond that and say that actually, it's also really important that you spend time with Jesus as a family. I know lots of families, and quite a few in Sunny Hill, they, they don't do this, and I I guess as a pastor this morning, I really want to encourage and instruct you to start implementing a daily devotional rhythm with your kids. Some of you might say it's too late for us because we didn't start it early enough. Well, listen, I would employ you to understand that whilst they're under your roof, you have a spiritual responsibility and headship to ensure that they are building an understanding of relating to Jesus in some way. And so in our household, this is how we do it. Before bed, every night, because have our kids kind of uh, at times have nightmares, we, we do a quiet time with them before bed. So what does that look like? That looks like reading a portion of scripture together. Sometimes I'll act it out just to keep it fresh, and then I'll ask some questions about the bit of scripture we read. Then we may talk, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go to bed. And let me tell you this, it's absolutely amazing sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, wow, this is like Jesus number two, Jesus number three, and Jesus number four right in front of me. Because sometimes Caleb will say, can we sing this song? I'm like, yeah, we can. He's getting this, come on. And we have this amazing conversation and sometimes I've had it once before where Caleb felt like God had given him a picture as we prayed. I'm like, yes, please, this is awesome. But then the next day, I close my eyes and as I close my eyes, I see Caleb punch Judah around the face or kick him in the bun. There was one time where Judah asked me to pray a long prayer. I was like, yeah, cool, I can do that. I was like, this is cool. He must be really enjoying our time with Jesus. And so I start committing to this nice, lengthy, high-quality prayer. And I open my eyes a little bit, and I see that he's taking all his clothes off. Like a surprise! Definitely his mother's son, that one. Definitely. But this is the thing, is like it's, it, it's not always great, it's not always awesome, it's not always easy and enjoyable. Sometimes it's a battle to get your kids to pray. Sometimes, sometimes Judas says, I don't want to pray. I'm like, I don't care what you want to do, you pray. Because it's just life. I'm trying to level with you. This is the family dynamic in our house. Sometimes we'll have amazing conversations about Jesus at the dinner table. And sometimes they'll call each other willy face and all stuff like that. But this is the nature of parenting. Don't get bummed out about it. What's important is daily rhythms and patterns. Your children will flourish if you create buffers in which they can live. So time with Jesus as a family is totally key. I love what Deuteronomy says. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right? This is the law that Jesus affirms from the Old Testament. Verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Well, How do you do that? We read here, impress them on your children. In other words, like stamp these values and, and the, the word of God on your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. In other words, have an open dialogue about Jesus, about church, about faith, about worship. Louise said this last week when we were talking about as spouses having time with Jesus. Some couples read together the Bible, some of them don't. What's important is this open, honest dialogue about their faith. And I want to encourage you to do that as a family. The second point, and this is something I want to mind a little bit more this morning, and is you actually got to love your children. And you're thinking, oh, wow, well, Don, that must be why you're the lead pastor of Sunny Hill Church, because that's really amazing and like, it's a revelation to me. Of course it isn't. You know that. You need to love your children. The problem, ah, here's one of them. Right, Caleb, how you doing, mate? Hurt yourself? Oh, shame. That sounded really horrible, didn't it? Oh, shame, never mind. But um, love, that's really bad. On that point, I love you, son. I hope you feel better. But love your children. The problem is, in the world, is that we understand love as something we give through resource. So we think if we can give our kids the same experience as their school friends, then it's demonstrating and showing them a real love. And sometimes we get down about this. I know I do. Sometimes when I see other families jetting off to Disney World for two weeks and I'm thinking all we did is went to Cornwall for a week or something, all of a sudden I'm thinking my kids aren't getting the same experiences. How on earth are they going to experience my love? Maybe for some of you you're thinking if I can just get my child into that grammar school or into that private school or maybe some of you are thinking man if I could just have a Poulton's Pass then that would demonstrate to my kids that I really love them. The problem is, is you never hear adults in counselling talking like this. You know, my life was on this trajectory, but then when I was 12, my mom and dad didn't take me skiing and everything went south at that point. Because actually, your primary role in your child's life is to not give them experiences, although that's cool. It's to give them time. See, our kids can be experientially rich, but relationally poor. Time is the greatest thing you can give your child. It doesn't matter how old they are. Of course, experiences are good, but the great thing, and in the grace of God, we all have the same amount of time to steward. We all have different amounts of money in our bank. We can all give our kids different amount of experiences. Sometimes I do feel guilty about this. I feel guilty about the fact that Caleb, who's nearly eight, has never been on a plane. He loves trains, he loves buses, he loves transports, and he, he plays with toy planes at home, but he's never been on a plane. And sometimes I think, ah, oh, I'm such a rubbish parent because I've never taken him on a plane. But actually, our primary responsibility in life is to give our kids time, not experiences. Now, this is a real challenge to me, and I'll tell you why. I don't know, you might want to take take Caleb out of here for just five minutes, Luby. I'm not going to say anything bad about you, bud, but don't listen to the podcast is all I'm going to say. No, I'm joking. Is that when my kids come to me, you can come back in in a minute, don't worry. When my kids come to me and say, Dad, can you read that book again? I don't want to read the book again. That's why I got him to go out. You see, his whole world could be destroyed if he was here. I don't want to read the book again. I'm sick to death of reading about dinosaurs that feel different. Spiky dinosaurs, fluffy dinosaurs, fuzzy dinosaurs, blue dinosaurs, shiny dinosaurs, dull dinosaurs. I don't want to read it again. But you know what? It's important, when I can, that I say, yes, I will read that book again. It's interesting... Caleb came to me yesterday and he says, Dad, can we build like, a massive train track in the front room? Leveling with you? I don't want to build it. Because actually I'm human. Like you before you judge, I'm actually quite selfish. I'd, I'd prefer to watch football on TV. But Caleb wants to build a train track. And so I'll say, yes. Now what am I doing is, every time I'm saying yes to relationship moments, I'm actually putting money in this relational currency bucket. Every time I say yes. The other day, Caleb said, can we go on the scooter in the street? These are my actual words. I'm pretty sure I said something like this. This is why we gave you brothers. Ask one of them. I'm doing sermon prep. on parenting. Come and play with your kids. Your kids, my kids in the street, that's fine. But I can't. Because actually, if I do have the time. I mean, I love you guys and I want to preach the best that I can for you, but my priority is raising my kids. And so actually when I say yes, and he sees me put him before other responsibilities, money's going into this currency bucket. I can't tell you how many times I've watched The Greatest Showman. I've watched Frozen like 10 times. I have boys. Why do they want to watch Frozen? I don't know. That's not what I signed up to. I signed up to FIFA and Match of the Day, not Frozen. I watched Finding Dory again for the third time the other day. And like they're not happy for me to do anything else. They just want me to be in the moment watching this flipping film again. And again. Sometimes I sit on the iPad with them and they want to play kind of games on the iPad. I'm thinking, this is a one-player game. Let me go and do something else. But I know that I need to say yes when I can because sometimes I have to say no when I can't. Now, you need to think about that. You can't always be a parent that says, no, not now, maybe tomorrow, maybe in an hour. Sometimes Caleb said, can we dance? Yeah, all right, let's dance, why not? We've had people, I remember Martin Nangoli from Uganda came to visit us one day and Caleb wanted to dance while he was over dinner. So I'm like, let's do it, why not? Because every time I put money in the bucket of relational currency, I'm not buying his attention. But what I'm saying to him is, hey, you don't, you don't need to go anywhere else for affirmation. You don't need to look anywhere else for attention. You don't need to find value anywhere else. Everything you need is in Jesus and it's in us. Everything you need. Now, this is really important for those with teenagers, right? I know some of you may have missed this boat, but the reason this is important when they're young is because, him my words like with the right heart, control is the goal. When they're young, you want to be able to say to your kid, be quiet, and for them to be quiet, amen? Come on, be real, right? You want to be able to take your kids to the restaurant and know that spare ribs aren't going to go flying across Harvester, right? Because control is the goal when they're young. You want them to respect what you have to say. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens with rules, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But it also happens through relational currency. But this really comes into its element when they come into the teen years. Now, I don't have teenagers. I was a teenager. I was a delightful, blissful teenager. Not. I was a nightmare. But I was a teenager. I was also a youth pastor for quite a few years at Sun Hill. So I saw how this played out. Because at some point as they grow up, the relationship changes from control, listen to this, to influence. You need to hear that. Control to influence. When they get to a certain age, you can't any longer say, don't do this. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, because dad said it, I won't do it. It's now about influence. It's about them understanding what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. Now, the problem is, is if your bucket is completely empty, you have no relational currency to delve into. Now, some of you this morning might say, yeah, that's all very well. This, This advice would have been helpful like 15 years ago. I've now got this nightmare of a child. Now, listen to this. The reason, and this is a hard thing to accept and I understand that and please don't not listen to me because I don't have teenagers, but the reason your child has been an absolute nightmare for you, it isn't because he hates you. It's not because actually he doesn't want to know you. I'll tell you at the heart of it what it is and the word would agree with this and I think social studies would agree with this, he actually or they actually want you to see them. Attention. Now, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it at the time. It doesn't feel like this is a cry for attention, but ultimately it is because what they're trying to do is, if if I can just get their attention, why? Because they're built with a need for their parents to love them. This is why so many... Societies around the world are going south quick because the family system is broken down and parental systems are broken down and kids don't have that sense of attention and value that they should have at home. The self-esteem and self-worth and self-confidence and so they're looking everywhere else. For it. But what I would say to you is that if you have an older child, it's not too late to start putting money in the bucket. Now it might be against the will of your child because if you say to an 18-year-old, hey let's go scooting in the street. He might say, no, thanks. So it's about understanding what is it you want to do. And let me tell you, it might be something you don't want to do. But it's so important that you are showing love and affection. Now, there's another side to this coin. Because I've spoken about loving your child. But actually, there's something that's equally as important. It's from the other side. And it's this. Boundaries and discipline. This is one of the hardest things as a parent. Because actually, it's much easier to not discipline your child in the short term. It's much easier that when they come, Dad, can I go on my iPad again? We go, well, you've had it for eight and a half hours today, but I guess it gives me some more space. Have it again. Or, or Dad, can I, can I go and do this? With my it's, it's so much easier to allow our children to do what they want to do than it is to bring boundaries and correction and discipline into the moment. But it's absolutely paramount that you bring buffers into their world. Why? Because the Bible in a number of places, Proverbs and Ephesians, talks about training your child in the way that they need to go. That when I create boundaries and parameters, I'm saying, this is the path. This is the path. And sometimes as parents, we think that we've made this path super clear. But I think we haven't. Because I think often we respond to bad behaviour in the moment and we say, oh, I don't like that. Stop doing that now. And it may be the first time that we've challenged a behaviour because what we haven't done is we haven't established the boundaries of the path we want our kids to walk. So we notice this in our house. I've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, and I don't know, do you want to go and get Louise and Caleb? I feel a bit bad that they're out there. They can come back in there. Karis, thanks. They might be hiding around there or Caleb might be crying in a corner now. Who knows? But Judah went to school, and he came back from school, and he was different to the child we sent. Anyone had that? A few of us who are honest. You raise this delightful, respectful, polite young man who just loves spending time with mom and dad. You send him to school for one day, for one day, and he comes back and he say, "How was your day?" He's like, "Alright, uh, cool. What did you get up to?" Ugh. just stuff in it. I'm like, what's happened to you? What, why isn't Jesus living in your heart anymore? Where has he gone? Now, we noticed that by sending Judah, and he's more noticeable with Judah than Caleb because we had to at this point, that Judah started bringing the culture of the playground into the home. Because actually this was his world and so he had learned to behave this way and respond this way to certain situations and circumstances that when he came home he responded in the same way. And we lived with it for about two weeks but then me and Louise were thinking this is not sustainable. We need to make these boundaries clear. So we, uh, on one of my days off, we literally spent about four to five hours me and Louise praying about this and talking about how are we going to make this pathway clear. And we decided we're going to choose five things that we will die in a ditch over every day five things and so this is our exact one that we have on our fridge and on their bedroom walls we made a family plan charter because what we're trying to do is give buffering lines and parameters to our children and so this is what's on our fridge right and some of you may think some of it's rude I don't want to say other than kind of get over it but listen silly words point one saying horrible things to other people like bum breath butthead and willy face etc because this is the stuff that was coming out of their mouth and I think I'm not having that So if we hear you say someone's a butthead, this is what we say. One warning, and then the loss of five minutes of iPad time. They're allowed 20 minutes a day each. iPad, for our kids, is a great way to bring punishment. I mean, it is like the golden tablet, right? It's like, ah. So for us, we're like, whatever. But for them, it's like, I'm not going to say boom breath ever again, right? Lying. Lying matters to us. So we say hiding the truth or making something up to get someone else in trouble because we noticed that. Judah would do something naughty and blame Caleb. Say to be cited in the moment, what could be any of these stated? Depending on the deceit in what they're saying. Disobedience is bad. Bad attitude. We hate bad attitude and hurting others. Me and Louise agreed five things in our house that we would not tolerate. And we sat down with our kids after school one day on the Monday and I made this on my computer, and I sat them down, and I says, look, this is the law. <laughs> this is it. Now you understand. These are the parameters. These are the guiding lines. These are the buffers. You step out of these lines, there's going to be a consequence to your action. Now, let me tell you what's great about this. The kids understand. Caleb is so honest, right? He will come to me and says, oh, Dad, I rolled my eyes at you earlier. I'm like, why are you telling me that? Why are you grassing on yourself? I mean, that's awesome, good. What's the punishment? Right, go to your room for 10 minutes. You know, it's interesting though that actually more than for the child benefit, this is great for the parent. Why? Because all of a sudden now, for those of you, whereas a a dad and mom kind of situation at home, it now puts you in a united front. You're now dying in the same ditch. You're not allowing your preferences or the things that annoy you call the shots in terms of what do we talk, we've agreed together these are the five things and we felt because they've got a hand with five fingers on they could remember these easier and what it also means is that like I don't know about you but what I would find is let's say Caleb comes and sits on my face at half five in the morning right to wake me up, if I've had a good night's sleep and a good week at work and there's no stress I'd be like oh get off Caleb you legend that's really funny you won't be oh what a lad oh gosh do you want to go and play some games cool but then the next day, if he did it, I'm a bit more tired, had a stressful day at work. What the heck do you think you're doing? Get off my face, you little turd sniffer. <laughs> Anyways, the problem is, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but i will just overflow of the heart, the mouse speaks, I guess. <laughs> Five minutes on my iPad, yeah, right. And we'll come on to that point in a minute, Richard, thank you. The problem is, is that I, the, my kids are going to flourish if life is predictable. They're not going to get an angry dad because he's had a stressful day at work. They're not going to get a super tolerant mom just because she's happy or, you know, received a nice kind of birthday present or something. It's always going to be the same. These are healthy boundaries for kids to grow. And I would suggest that it doesn't matter how old your kids are, you may not make it look as childish as this, but you establish five things in your house that you will not tolerate. It may mean that there's other areas that you just have to not turn a blind eye to, but not try and just correct everything you see, because you don't want the primary role of your relationship to your child to just be correction. You want it to be relationship. So choose five things, and we'll come back on to that in a minute. The next thing is modelling. Kids model what they see. The best of what they see, and the worst of what they see. In fact, as Richard just said a minute ago, lost five minutes hyper time. Me and Louise sometimes will talk flippantly to one another. Louise went through one, one, one phase of, like, oh, actually, no, forget that. Um, <laughs> it's not fair, it's not defensive, is it? But anyways, kids model what they see. Uh, and this was really evident to me about four years ago at Corf Mullen. i just preached in one of the morning services there. And Caleb was four years old, and he says, uh, can I have a go at preaching? I'm like, yeah, cool, go for it. Everyone had gone at this point, so he went to the lectern, he got a sound, he stood, up, stood on the chair, he got to the lectern, he says, no, this don't look right. He says, can I have your microphone? So I put the microphone on him, and he says, can I have your Bible? He couldn't read at this point, but I put my Bible on the lectern, and then he says, can you film it? I was like, yeah, okay, we'll show mom this, because actually he was wanting to copy what he sees his dad and I actually got a video of it, it's funny, look at this. And right there, in that moment, there's this sense that, essentially, that, that is what I preach. That is pretty much of it. Look at the Bible, do what it says, tell people about Jesus, let's sing together. That's pretty much the extent of my career in my life. Now, Caleb has seen me do this enough that when he gets the opportunity, he wants to copy his dad in some way. Now, I've got a good video here that kind of... picks like paints a nice picture, but it's also true as well of the times where I lose my peace and I get angry about something. He, interestingly then, will also get angry about silly little things because he's modelling and copying what I'm presenting to him. This is why we take it seriously, bringing our kids to church regularly. Literally, our kids are amazing. We we get them here at like half seven, normally rotate at Caleb and Judas to help set up make them do two, I say make them, it's a privilege, but get them through two services and then when we had a ferndown service at 4pm, take them to that as well, sometimes take them to the Mullen service because what we want them to see is this passion for God, this passion for church and so modelling, thinking about what we're modelling is so important and this as well, this point really matters, define values. You don't just want to be a parent or a family that just says no to stuff. You want to be a family that champions and celebrates stuff. So we thought these five things that we won't tolerate should be based around the things that we value. So you'll notice now the opposite things of the the discipline area. So instead of silly words, encouragement. Saying things that help people do better and be better. What What happens if you do that? Others will feel braver as a result of your words. That's cool. Telling the truth. Being brave to tell the truth, even when it results in a consequence. This is why Caleb is now championing, coming to, telling me what he's doing wrong. Because why? You'll be trusted by other people, you'll be blessed. Obedience, staying safe, staying fair, and being trustworthy. Why? Because you will enjoy a long and happy life, because basically your mom won't kill you. Right? Four, good attitude. We don't just hate bad attitude, we love good attitude. We love it when kids are like can do and they embrace life. What's good about that? Other people will want to be your friend and you'll be great to be around. You know the people that you love spending time with is people with great attitudes. People with bad attitudes, hard to live with. Loving others, putting others before you, uh, people before yourself, being kind by sharing. God loves this and so do mom and dad. They will see this and you might get a reward, which generally means that they get one pound on a Friday to buy Matcha Tax or Kinder Egg, whatever they want to get. But this matters. Why? Because what we're trying to help them understand is that it's not just about correction and guidelines for bad things, it's about championing the right things. Because discipline without values, what does that produce? Well-behaved kids but not well-balanced kids. They need to understand why does this matter? Not just that mom and dad smack me or mom and dad send me to the naughty step or mom and dad send me to my room when I do X, Y or Z. It's actually as a family, these are the things we live for. Encouragement, truth, obedience, good attitude and loving people. That's what we live for. And so I really want to encourage you not just to think about the discipline areas, but actually the championing areas. And just as a side note, we've now got a Sunny Hill Facebook group called the Sunny Hill Parent Lounge. And you can join that today, and today we've put this template up on there, so you can download it and it's empty, it hasn't got our things on there, but you can write the five things that you're going to champion as a household, or the five things that you won't tolerate. Or maybe you want to do it differently and you want to absolutely ignore this, that's fine. All I want to suggest is think about it. If you're married, talk about it. What are the things we're going to die in a ditch over, and what are the things we're going to champion? And finally, investment. Sometimes we don't take this area like seriously enough. It's time that we understand our responsibility to parent. And what does that mean? It means we need to start investing in our ability. Start reading about what it is to be a parent. Start a Bible study on how do you parent. If you go on Version app, there's loads of devotional guides about parenting and about family life that you can use that will equip you to make better family decisions. Incidentally as well, we've got Helen and Ollie Goldenberg in this church, we're so blessed in this church to have this family. And they will hate me saying this, but it's true. They're a massive resource of this church, and their ministry, what they do full-time, is all geared around equipping children to smash it for the kingdom of God, but also helping families uh, smash it in their family life. And so they've just written a book and also recorded a TV series at TBN and it's called At Home With God. Go on their website, children can, you can see all about it. If your uh, email address is in our database at 12.15 today, you're going to get an email in your inbox and it's a link to all of the things that kind of, all the programs that are coming. But more than that, they've just written a book that is released in six weeks, but they've managed to agree a discount for Sunny Hillites. So instead of paying $8.99, you get to pay Five pound. Who likes a good discount? Come on, man. Danny's already bought four and he's going to sell them at full price in the candidate, so don't worry about it. But this is the thing, is that like, can we start taking parenting seriously? Is like the trajectory of my child's life worth five quid and a day's read, or isn't it? Listen, if you don't want to pay five pound for it, I'll promise you this. I've got 40 quid off Matt Mellor here. I'll give you five. five <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'll give you five of my own pound, because I think it so matters to understand. Hey, I like golf. I invest in golf. I like playing drums. I'll invest in my drum kit. But when it comes to parenting, we'll see what happens. What? What? Skill up, resource yourself. I love this. So go on, uh, Sunny Hill Parent Lounge, and also. Look at the email address, and if not, go to the Children Can website. And more than that, with this I end, I, we also resource our kids to be good kids. <laughs> what does that mean? Get them around other Christian kids in church. It's a great thing. I can't always control or decide who they play with in the playground. But I can always ensure that I'm putting them in environments to make brilliant, life-giving, faith-filling friends. I can always do that. One of the things we're noticing now is a lot of sibling rivalry. So Caleb and Judah kind of getting a bit more fighty as Judah gets older. He's sticking up for himself. And I've told you about one of my recent kind of parenting blips where I just let them fight it out to see who won, but it didn't work out well. So now we've gone with a more Jesus approach and we've bought them a book. You know that book I told you about, uh, Love Everyone Always, the Bob Goff book, The Guy I Rang do you remember that? Well, he's brought out a new child's book and it's about how you love one another and your siblings and stuff like this. And now every night, we're, we're reading this to them to try and help them kind of think around this stuff because we don't just want to say, stop hitting each other, stop hitting each other, go to your room, go to the rah. We want to say, no, this family is about loving and this is what it looks like. This is what it is. So start investing, start skilling up. It's time. Now tonight, this is really important. If you're parent in this church and even if you don't, Come tonight, 6pm, don't be lazy, don't think I've done church today, tick. Think this matters, I'm going to get babysitters, I'm going to make sure I'm there because we've got Helen and Ollie and Adam and Fru speaking into this whole area. I'm going to be asking them questions that you text in so we can get specific about parental challenges that you're facing right now. And we can respond to them and talk about them. And we can go deeper in some of these areas. And I'm going to be just throwing questions at them. So 01202 805683, you can text your questions about this in right now. And tonight, I'll throw it at them. And I'm believing it's going to be a great time. We've had a couple of great weeks doing these things so far. Um, But I just want to encourage you, don't be lazy. Don't just think, oh, I don't want to go out again. It matters. Investment, investment, investment. Make it count. And finally, here's a great bit of advice that Ollie emailed me about guilt-free parenting. Listen to this, and this is a good way to end because I don't want you to go home feeling like guilty, like you're failing, because most of us feel like that most of the time. But listen, don't be too hard on yourself. Give yourself a break. Most parents feel like they are failing. Most kids feel like their parents are awesome. Okay? So this isn't like a rod thing. Get better, get better, get better. It's an exhortation. It's an encouragement. Come on, we can do this. We can smash it in 2019, amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that we can look to your heart toward us and, and see everything we need to find about parenting, God. This enduring love, this faithful love, this forgiving love. And God, I pray, Lord, for us as a church, I pray that in this area that matters so much, Lord God, that every parent would go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, Lord God, that we would begin to raise our children in such a way that they would become giants of the faith, that they would become great men and women of God, that they would become great world changers and contributors to society, God, that they would be great to be around, and that Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just give us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us to that end, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity this morning just to share my heart, and I pray, Father, everything that Matters that will be helpful to people, that you would just sow that deep into our hearts so that we can go home and consider it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.